0: Hey everybody and welcome back to another episode of the Open Forum podcast. Today we have with us Dino Noccevelli. He's a partner in the abuse department of a layday law firm and actively works uh, towards law reforms as it pertains around sexual abuse and has appeared on various media publications as well as the independent inquiry into child sexual abuse and providing expert opinion and testimony. Um, look Dino, that's 20 seconds as to who you are. Why don't you take a couple of minutes, tell us a little bit about yourself. How you got to where you are today, and then we're just going to dive on in on the topic of conversation uh, of uh, child abuse and child sexual uh, sexual exploitation. Sorry,
1: that's all right. That's great. Thank you, and thank you for having me. So, yeah, my name is Dean Nocevelli. I'm a solicitor and partner at Leeds Solicitors, specialised in representing abuse survivors in different areas of society. So, whether it's abuse in schools or sports scout association family members, wherever there's an adult position of trust and they abuse that position and I will act on behalf of the survivors against those individuals and or institutions. Um, I've been doing this for a number of years and I work with a number of different charities and one of my key things is to try to raise awareness, not only of abuse, but actually also the options available to abuse survivors, whether that's bringing legal action, whether it's looking towards inquiries, trying to result in change, it's really important that we try to encourage people to disclose as soon as possible as the abuse happened. Um, And there's numerous reasons for that, so they can get the help and support they need to try to move forward. But we also want to try to obviously remove the loopholes, uh, the fact that the abusers can continue to abuse to the current day. So if we can try to prevent abuse, fantastic, that must be our key aim. But if we can't, we need to make sure we can stop as much of it as we can provide abuse survivors with the support needed and hopefully to break the cycle of harm so that's the reason why as you said you know we do lots of uh, cases for individuals we do media we do inquiries we campaign and try to change the law because if this continues for another generation it'd be an absolute failure on my behalf you know there's so much evil in this world if we can deal with this one which is child abuse child sexual abuse and exploitation you know, we should be doing it. It's 2023, we must do a lot better for this generation than the ones in the past.
0: Absolutely. I can't echo your sentiments more of we need to do better and this is a problem that we need to resolve yesterday. Uh, As listeners know, I had uh, Craig Sawyer on on the previous episode with regards to child trafficking and the work that he's doing there. And again, this is something that leads into that as as children can be groomed into that process. Look, I think an important thing to kind of underline here and put it in bold italics is that On average, is it something like 28 or 29 years from point of abuse to uh, someone coming forward about their situation? Can you maybe talk to us a little bit about why that is? And again, you mentioned one of the important things that you guys are trying to do is get people to come forward earlier. So can you maybe talk to us a little bit about why it is that it takes so long and what it is that we can do to make people feel safe? safer in coming forward about these things
1: yeah so often you know people ask me questions and often they're very simple questions but with difficult answers so just building up from some of the things you said you know the average age of disclosure you know 28 29 years we know it takes men longer than women to disclose on average lots of the data is obviously not particularly good because if you have 10 people who suffer abuse how many of them actually disclose in their entire lifetime and then the variation and even that word disclosure what does that mean does it mean telling does that mean me telling you i suffered abuse as a child or i suffered abuse as a child by my teacher i suffered childhood sexual abuse by my teacher or here are the details of the abuse i suffered and what's the next steps do i just want you to know do i want you to provide me with therapy support as my medical professional do i want the police to take action there's very different stages and and extent of disclosure and how I may disclose to my mum is very different to what I would tell one of my mates or my partner or a school teacher so I think on average it takes about 30 years if you suffer abuse when you're 10 on average you come forward in your 40 and there's numerous reasons for that which is one of your first questions now the reason why people don't disclose abuse is often elements of shame and embarrassment fear of not being believed because this wasn't just some random stranger often and in most cases it's someone you know and you trust and is respected by the community there's a phrase it takes a village to raise a child or it takes a village to abuse a child and if someone's in a position of trust power and authority such as a teacher or your father then who would believe you against an adult um why would they believe you And that often can be a barrier. And especially when you think about when abuse happens, most abuse happens in those key developmental years, um, which is 10 to 15, in those five years, your life will change more and you will change more as a person. than at any other time of your life, you know, if you're 40 to 45, what happens? Nothing really. You don't enter puberty. You don't choose your career path. You don't choose your friends. You don't define who you are as a person. You don't have your first sexual relationship. You're 40 to 45 or 20 to 25. It doesn't matter. Those ages of 10 to 15, and if they are defined by your first sexual experience being with your abuser, if your grades are affected because you can't focus on your studies, if your relationship with alcohol and drugs and self-harm are influenced because of the abuse, they can be life-defining. You fail your GCSEs. You don't go to university. You're not a graduate. Your career paths are very, very different. And your parents often won't understand why you are acting out so you were fine and suddenly so you just fell off it's just puberty it wasn't it's because i suffered abuse and dealing with repercussions so answering your question these barriers often prevent people from disclosing and like i said part of the disclosure is also to medical professionals you haven't been treated for 30 years if you broke your leg today i would hope you see a doctor today and say look i had a car accident i broke my leg or i played football and dino broke my leg playing football I'm going to see a doctor I hope you don't wait 30 years and don't get treatment because I promise you your leg will get worse and your other leg will get worse and your back will get worse because you're compensating you may not play football any longer you may not do social things so eventually your life is changing because you can't tell someone and that's the problem by the time someone does disclose then when they're 40 on average the impact is often so severe trying to untangle everything is really difficult not just for them, for others. So that's one reason why people don't disclose for so long. We are trying to encourage people to do so because if you tell me when you're 15 or when you're 40, we can try to help to get your studies back on track. We can try to help to give you the support needed. So you don't have to self-medicate, whether it's drink, drugs, gambling, self-harm, give you the coping mechanisms and to ensure that the abuse stops and the abuser doesn't abuse other children in other schools or elsewhere. That's the reason why it's so important. We are able to encourage people to disclose, but importantly, we also listen to them and we act. It's not just on abuse survivors. We all need to listen, believe that individual, listen to what they say, investigate it properly, and to act to stop abuse. Instead, it's so much pressure put on the individual. It's no wonder. Even in 2023, I've got clients who are still struggling to talk. Um, So it's a long-winded answer, which I apologise to a very simple question, but that's why it's just so complex to entangle all those different attributes and issues. But that's the reason why it takes so long for eyes to disclose.
0: It's so multi-layered, and and there's so much of that that rang true. So one of the things that I mentioned to you, I think in in our DMs on on Twitter, is I work as a physical therapist, and I've had many patients say this to myself and, and talk to me about their sexual abuse and and the things that's happened to them and so much of that unfortunately rings true that it was you know, a father or someone in a position of authority over them. At that point in time, they were acting out as a result of that. And when they went and spoke to their parents later on down the line about it or their older siblings, uh, one of them in particular said, the response was, that makes a lot of sense now why you were behaving in in that way way back when. Um It's also heart-wrenching when you hear that in as much as it takes a village to raise a child, it takes a village to abuse a child because there have to be so many people there who are turning a blind eye to the things going on around them or surrounding that child, that person being abused and allowing it to happen, whether it's willful blindness or... (laughs) what have you, it doesn't make it any more acceptable. The analogy that you gave of the broken leg, there's so much that happens as that cascading effect. It's almost unfathomable to think. And you mentioned there there's other things that can happen, not just acting out, but drink and drugs. And that's also something that a lot of abuse victims suffer with further down the line they they're not finding answers but they're finding comfort in drugs or in alcohol or what have you what how is it that this pathway happens what can we do to help bring people back
1: i think one of the key things is trying to remove the taboo about sex and sexual abuse i think it's really important and there's different layers like you mentioned you know the fact is if you're a you know, we have issues with class so a working class child has certain barriers to disclosure same as a middle upper class child uh, male have certain barriers which are different to females but they, they are all barriers and i think the one thing which we really do need to do and i say this about everything we need to appreciate the differences someone from an ultra orthodox um, uh, um, kind of religion whether it's uh, catholics Muslims, Sikhs or whatever else they have certain barriers which means actually you're no longer pure, the Mormon religion have this um, so how do you tell your parent, by the way someone did this to me because you, you you shouldn't be doing that, you're not married it's a total taboo there's an additional barrier for them, there is for others and I think what's really important is that we appreciate their children and we do listen and we take away judgment but it is so hard and it's still a problem, I think that lots of people, including journalists, and I pick up on it, whether it's the BBC article or elsewhere, um, they still use the word historic, historic child abuse. And the fact is, similar to the example of a broken leg, you broke your leg 30 years ago, is it an historic injury? You got murdered 30 years ago, is it an historic murder? Well, no, it's a murder. Everything is is historical. In 10 minutes, our chat will be historical because it's 10 minutes ago. But for some reason, and it's a point of, personal safety it's back in the day it's the old time, it's historical child abuse doesn't happen now mate, it's absolutely fine Neither. it's the only crime, if you think of any crime, historical uh, fraud, historical forgery historical theft, historical burglary, nope, nope, nope it's no. the only crime, we do it, and why? and it is self-preservation, because it makes us feel safer Um And it's other areas of society we do this you know, and sometimes it's so that's one reason. There's also issues in relation to victim blaming and the like, which we see with sexual offences. Why did you not come forward earlier?
0: Why were you wearing that? You were provoking them. Exactly. Were Maybe you, you were giving them the eye. Oh, were you drinking? Yeah. That's a solid one. You hear yeah. that often. Yeah. Yeah. yeah,
1: and that happens. But also with child abuse survivors, you know, why did you keep on going back for? You weren't abused once. You abused over two years. Why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you fight him off? You're a bloke. We've seen this often, and this victim blaming can create real issues and 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 um the, the barriers there are extensive and when we say about a village it's not just sometimes just not listening or acting often people are worried about the repercussions and in this country we still don't have something um, called mandatory reporting which basically means there's a legal duty if you're in a position of uh, authority and a regulator activity there's no legal duty to report on it so re- for example in England if you're a teacher, you're not under a legal duty to report known child sexual abuse. And if you fail to do so, there's no criminal repercussion. Now, if you're in most states in America, Australia, France, for example, you would be, because in essence, you're helping to cover up a crime. And I think that we've relied on people's morals for far too long. It doesn't work, to be frank, as we can see. We do need to say, look, if you're aware of child abuse, you're under a legal duty if you're not, you're going to face the repercussions. It helps the child, it helps society, but it also helps the whistleblower, the hero, for reporting on it because they are worried. If I report on you, how do I know what's going to affect me and my children, my own mortgage? So we need to bring these things into place. So I think by doing this, removing the taboo of child abuse and sex and sexual abuse, but also giving people the fact is that a village should raise a child. It's all of our responsibilities to ask why. You were great, Sonny, until you were 10 and you just went off the radar. What happened? We're now going to ostracize you because your siblings, your brother and sister are amazing, but you're a bloody nightmare. And and, and now you're addicted to drink and drugs. Like, What's wrong with you? Your siblings have gone to university, got proper jobs. What are you doing? You can see how by the time you get to 40 on average, disclose. It's too late. And even though people go, well, that does make sense, like a Scooby-Doo movie. It's someone's life. And I think we should be questioning why. What has changed? Why has it changed? What's been going on? Asking why, removing the taboo, giving people the tools and weapons to say it's everyone's responsibility is what we need to do. Otherwise, it will just continue and continue and continue. Because
0: one of the other things that goes on to that of it just continuing is sexual abusers don't tend to just have one victim. They don't. It's it's not a one-off despite how they try to um, duct tape shut the mouth of the victim and, and prevent them from speaking, whether it's a case of your parents won't you know, they don't need to know, or your parents don't need to find out, or imagine what daddy would say if you tell them kind of thing. It's not just the one child. No, it's not. The, on average, over an abuser's span, shall we say, before they're caught, there's some crazy numbers about how many kids they can go on to abuse, right? If they're if they're a teacher in a school or if they're at a church or in a man or what have you. What what are some of the figures around that? Just so that people have a little bit more perspective of yeah. how wide this problem is.
1: The the figures are hazy because the reason why. So for example, as a teacher and you've been in 10 different schools. You're right in that they don't just abuse one child. All the research shows that uh, football coaches, school teachers, priests, imams, they don't. And not only do they abuse more than one child, but they also become more brazen and the assaults increase. So if the first assault is indecent assault, in improper touching, by the time you, you fast forward to the fourth school, fifth school, or the 10th or 11th survivor, the abuse is escalating in relation to the severity of the actual act. The frequency, the duration per person, because they're getting more confident, they're getting more brazen, um, and that's why we can stop it in school one, with with survivor one, it's much better rather than doing it for a survivor fifty in school ten. Hmm. And there is an issue, and lots of schools will just say, look, we don't want the bad PR. Or well, historically, that's what happened. You know, we've seen a number of schools just saying, look, you need to leave. We're not going to report you to the police, but you need to go. That does happen. Far too. There's often it should been be.
0: a couple of teachers from schools that I've gone to that have. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah uh yeah suddenly left left. Left. yeah yeah Yeah. midway through the school yeah
1: yeah exactly and you're like no leaving party no like you know (laughs) good old you know mr smith been here 20 years yeah not even the bloody gold watch you know off you go in the middle of the night sometimes and the question is why and some of the nicknames as well for these teachers just indicate something sexual or something about sexuality and your question is why is that there for? so i think that there is um issues in the numbers and in its extensive the research is hazy because what you do see then is the media report on abuse in a certain school for a teacher certain people will come forward but we do find that they, unless it's name in that actual school they don't come forward for other uh, schools so if they've been at four schools but only been convicted for one school it will take time for people to say actually me too i was abused in the second school and in the third school and we have seen this over six eight years with the same teacher facing different criminal trials and you can see the abuse escalating the numbers are so high and um they also become more public and the number of children per abuser especially if you're you know a teacher and the like it it is scary how high they can be and it varies but in this country in england um there's a significant issue and again if we can break the cycle we can stop the abuse great but somehow they're able to get job references. They're able to go through, you know, uh, and the like, and remain in circulation for far. How oh, is that?
0: Long. How is that a thing? Because obviously they're being removed from the school for this particular reason. So how is it that they're just being passed around from school to school to school, and no one has highlighted it, or no one has come yeah. forward? There's there's been no one, like you said, morals aren't doing enough how is it that these teachers that their sole responsibility is the safety and the wellness of the children that are coming through their doors yeah if i have a patient in my room their wellness their safety is my number one priority on their journey
1: yeah
0: how are these teachers not doing that
1: so as teachers, as religions, whereby you see priests and others being yes, moved around. Sorry. So, yeah, so yeah, yeah. yeah, so unfortunately, it's not just, you know, schools, not just religion, it's not just sport, you know, so they are moved around or they let go. And I think that's the phrase, often they're not dismissed, often they're not reported, they just let go because lifestyle, health issues, but then they go off and get a job somewhere else and they're obviously still getting a reference. So I think seeing as these things People don't want to open the box. People don't really want to know the brutal truth. Mr. Smith or Father John has done these horrendous acts. You need to go. People are feeling uncertain about you. You need to go. And the person goes, okay, I'll go. Because they know the alternative is they're going to fight this and they will all be exposed and it'll be horrendous. So they will go somewhere else, but they can't stop abusing children. Um, Again, forcing people to step up. And say no, you need to properly investigate. Is so crucial. The only other example in human history, with total respect, is actually Nazi Germany, whereby a lot of good people allowed horrendous things to happen. And if you ever read into the kind of the good German as such, how did you not realise when you were getting promotions and the like and pay rises that your Jewish neighbour was no longer there anymore, and and your black um, uh, grocer? suddenly disappeared randomly and the disabled person was no longer in the library. Did you not ask why that was happening? Do you not question it? And obviously there was repercussions. If you did question that regime, your life, I'm not saying in England in 2023, that anyone's going to be shot or killed or murdered for voicing allegations or concerns about abuse. So the question is seriously in this country, why do not people not feel able to break that cycle? if in doubt, talk about it, raise it. And what I mean by that, not the survivor, but those other people in positions of trust. If you can see someone's in concern, you see something's not right, or you are made aware of allegations, you should be under a legal duty to report that to the police and for it to be acted on. You should be. Um, We had this recommendation from ICSA. You mentioned that independent inquiry, which was what, last October, Mm -hmm. 12 months ago, the government's response was, I think we should do a consultation. You know, it's, you know, it was 186 million, wherever else, spent on this inquiry. It's frustrating. There's a consultation. Like, why do you need that? And, and again, it's just so difficult. And again, is it because we're going to have too many allegations? It's going to be too big. We just won't be able to handle it. So let's keep our head in the sand. And I don't want to be flippant about it, but it just seems so bizarre. You get a recommendation from this inquiry, 12 months aren't needed to the date, still not in place. Not even close to it.
0: I appreciate, um, given your position and what you do, there's only so much that you can say. Um, Part of me thinks that the reason that the government and the forces are so slow at dragging their feet with it is we also know there's quite a lot of it happening at the higher levels of society, if we put it like that, if we look at let's say the Jimmy Savile case, if we look at Jeffrey Epstein, look at where these people were connected to Ghislaine Maxwell, we're talking people who are connected to the British royal family, we're talking people who are connected to politicians, to prime ministers and these people. Now there's two ways to look at this, either these people, Jimmy Savile, who was brazen on TV, as you mentioned, as the years go by, they get more and more brazen. His interview of Russell Brand, where he's talking about, you get that girl to come over here and she's going to be naked to massage me. And then Russell, we can talk to be
2: true it'd be very nice to meet you one day mr jimmy Savile. just you well, know if you've got a sister you could meet me by bringing her along i, I mean i haven't got any sisters i but don't usually meet fellas but if you've got a sister that's okay i've got a personal assistant called Marsha, and part of her job description is that anyone i demand she um, greets meets massages she has to do it she's very attractive jimmy well that's 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 a good start what you kind of start you could send her along to do some research would you like her to wear anything in in particular to Jimmy I'd actually prefer her to wear nothing right so you want Marsha and my assistant to meet you naked okay well that's that's not going to be that's not going to be a problem <laughs> nothing wrong with that nothing wrong with that Jimmy it's just the last na- time I spoke like this was the father Christmas <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah I never trusted those father Christmases in Debenham's or other stores they're available oh, I said stores instead of shops have been in America too long i don't i don't trust the father christmases you get these days jimmy i think you perhaps you should be uh, i think you're a, a, i've always thought of you as a sort of a father christmas figure you know oh, solving problems dropping wages <laughs> jimmy it's it's been divine of you uh, to talk to me in this restaurant thank you very much and um, i wonder could um would you pass on my best wishes to your beautiful dinner companion and uh, perhaps you'd consider coming on the show again in the future Who knows, I'm always available, and my beautiful dinner companion will have to remain secret because she is an outstanding beauty, Mm -hmm. and as such, if you saw her, you would lust after her, particularly if I saw a review, because that just heightens the sexuality of the situation. Thinking No, the no, I- no, I'm not into threesomes. <laughs> but uh, Jimmy, it, there was a time when you were the defining voice of the uh, BBC, and perhaps I still am. <laughs> you are now. You are tonight. But you I should still be, am. as well as passing down information, you should be passing along other things. People could argue. I've never passed
0: anything in my life. I only take. You did, Jim. Will fix it for how many years? Jim will fix it 20 years, top of the pop 20 years. You also uh, used to be a wrestler, is that right? Still am. Still am. I'm feared in every girls' school in Britain. You used to be a wrestler, didn't you? Is that right? I still am. (laughs) I (laughs) am. I'm feared in every girls' school in this country. (laughs) Uh, Uh, The things that he said on interviews of. You know, wait till I'm alone with that kid, blah, blah, blah. Some real horrible things. You're telling me that Jimmy and uh, Jeffrey were so smart that they managed to trick MI5, MI6, uh, the CIA, Secret Service, all of those people, and get so close to the most protected people on the individual lands, the individual nations. Now, for me, that doth butter no parsnips either, there is again that blissful ignorance of wanting it to or not wanting to acknowledge it or there is some element of wanting it to continue because we know that they trafficked it trafficked children to somebody we know that abuse had gone on there was a british prime minister who there are allegations of abuse for i think it was edward heath many many years back um you know we know that the german government this was something that was uh this was 2010, it came out that for 30 years, the German government was actively putting uh, foster children with known pedophiles and sexual abusers. So there's active government involvement in different countries around the world. That, for me, is definitely something where I think "Ah, there's more that meets the eye. There's a reason that things are being dragged so long. And again, I appreciate your position. Maybe you can't elaborate too much on that, but at least... There there must be something there when we look at the high-profile cases that we have. Who's that presenter with Holly Willoughby, the fella that was dating? That's it, Philip Schofield. You've had other BBC presenters, BBC producers, the highest levels of TV, of media, politics, at every stage. There's something there.
1: So I'll answer your question. And before we did this interview, you said it was anything off- um, Off Off-topic, off-limits. and i yeah. said yeah and i said no because i don't think that's fair you know and i think that you know we should always answer direct questions and, and we should have no um off topic um off limit conversations or points So to answer your question directly i think when you look at it uh, on a basic level most abusers are men 99 percent, and that's not a made up figure you know 99 probably higher than that are men all the people you just mentioned had power trust and authority now they may not be a teacher they may not be a rabbi. They may not be a football coach, but they were TV stars. They were people who even had financial power or societal pressure, or societal power, even, and that includes MPs. And I think that there's lots of allegations of sexual abuse within Westminster of MPs with staff and other things like that. And that's because again, you've got a man who's in the position of power and he's got someone who's a sub- subordinate, someone who's not a child, but a younger member of staff, they're open to abuse. And they do then abuse i think on a basic level that's what's in play i think in relation to them dragging their feet i think it is the fear a bit like i mentioned about the schools and others who don't want to expose this issue do you want to be the person who opens this horrendous box to show how how extensive abuse is in your country with a crumbling criminal justice system a prison service which is at capacity as announced this week NHS, which can't cater for the number of people which need support, reduced police forces and the like. This is not a political point at all, but the fact is, do we have the capacity to prosecute the number of abusers and to provide the support needed for the number of survivors, yes or no? Increasingly, that doesn't seem to be true. And I think that may be the issue, that bringing in someone like mandatory reporting would increase the number of allegations and investigations which were needed, and and my personal view is that we just don't have, or the politicians don't think we have the finances to do that. It's money. Now, answering your question, again, you know, money means lots of things are done for different reasons. And sadly, money runs this world. My view is that not dealing with abuse allegations immediately is false economy. If you dealt with abuse allegations immediately, those survivors, number one, it'd be less survivors. But number two, giving therapy to a 15 year old is much better than treating someone when they're 45 with no treatment, because obviously it's so much extensive. Instead of giving six sessions, 12, 20 sessions of CBT or some other form of therapy, you have to give a lot more, a long, much longer course. But it's not just you. Your children may also need therapy, family counseling, your partner may need it, couples therapy. You um, are more likely to contribute to society better paid jobs, more stable employment. Abuse survivors have an increased level of unemployment, so they're a bigger financial burden on the state, give a line on state benefits inherently. Um, drink and drug abuse means there may also be other issues, not just psychological but also potentially physical health, which again requires treatment. They may have self-harmed, they may have attempted suicide. Again, involves medical treatment. So I think it's, a, it's an argument which is flawed, saying that we don't have the finances, fact is we can't afford to continue to ignore abuse survivors and failing to investigate that's the simple truth on a moral level and on a financial level and we need to address this we can't just hope that 10 people suffer abuse hopefully some of them won't report if it won't cost us we need to do more and i think that removing that kind of theory that potentially politicians are involved in this just looking at it from a purely simplistic point of view men abuse sadly men abuse and especially those positions of power they abuse even more that's the issue and, uh, and the finances is, is a red herring we, we can't afford to ignore this any longer
0: get lost in the weeds there i want to give give a little bit of pushback especially when you look at let's say the prince andrew situation right yeah there there is more than just concern with uh virginia i forget her last name dufray yeah something yeah. like that when you look at that pictures of the fella with the young girl and you look at his connections to the people he was associated with you look at yeah. the fact that we still don't have the little black book uh, yeah. you look at the yeah. fact that charles was best mates with Jimmy Savile and you look at the history that he had. And again, I come back to there's no way these people could have pulled the wool over the eyes of the best intelligence services the world has got who have access to technologies that you and I can both only dream of. It's just no way. So for me, that must be an element whereby there is a certain amount of this that is almost allowed to go on by those that are involved, by those that are, again, men in positions of power, for whatever reason that might be. Some of those reasons we explored briefly on the, the previous podcast that I did. But I I have to say that there must be a political edge to this because it's also rife for manipulation and blackmail as well, something like this.
1: Yeah, um, but I thing is politically... It doesn't matter if you're Tory, Lib Dem, Labour, left or right-leaning. The fact is, men in positions of power do abuse that and do sexual assault people. So it's not a political thing. And I think that you look at the number of people who suffer abuse, the the people who you've mentioned in those connections is such a small percentage of the total picture. So I don't think that they, um, there's a system in support of them, to be frank. I think it is complacency. And I think it is this position whereby people do just inherently trust. Most people are really good, honest people. And they we do trust until we see something which can't be true. It is, you're clearly wrong. And even then it's that self-doubt going, is that right? Do I do? I, do I trust myself? I think that is the case. And it may be me being simplistic and, and, um, and, and believing, but I think that is right. And I think when we look at all of these issues, and, you know, ICSA spent a lot of money to investigate certain um, MPs, um, uh, Lord Janna, uh, Lord Smith, and the others like that, um, Cyril Smith and and um, Janna. Um, the fact is, the number of people they could abuse and the number of people they did abuse was so such a, and again, every abuse survivor matters, and I have to stress that. But looking at those whereby children come into most um, contact with, which is parents and uncles and friends and neighbours and teachers and like, there is no conspiracy theory. It is often missed opportunities, complacency, not picking up on the signals, and that's how abuse can take place. Picking up on things like Prince Andrew. Um, you know, there's so many questions which we may never know the answers to. Same as Epstein and others. It, it, you know, if you're gonna write a story about someone like Epstein or did a movie about it, it sounds totally implausible. And I you know I don't disagree with you. How could this happen? How could this be allowed? You know, if we me or you had to go on a, a plane where, you know, you ask about twenty questions, people go through your suitcases, you go through about five different, you know, electric checks and stuff. And then you're saying, Well, hold on, did no one pick up on, you know, young children going on flights by themselves, etc. You know. I hear you and I get it. But at the same time, I think for lots of the politicians, and they're like, it is just the same as as other areas of society, often, to be frank, often their power does mean that more people feel unable to raise concerns. And this is the thing if you have Joe Bloggs, who's a homeless person, people are more likely to report him. If you have someone who's your father, it's difficult, there's more barriers uncles sisters mum may not raise concerns teachers again you can see how that kind of circle of trust widens and widens and also your repercussions if you're wrong the repercussions against you increase the more high profile you know the bigger they are the harder they will fall or the harder it is to make them fall and that may be an issue especially with the vip people such as jimmy savile he was so high profile, he was so powerful. And like you said, he was able to penetrate different areas of society. It wasn't just TV, it wasn't just MPs uh, and other connections or hospitals. He was able to do that and to okay. gain all that trust and, and manipulate everyone. And as a result, where was then the point for truth to come out? It, it was so hard. Um, and then for that survivor, it's needed. well, it was impossible because no one's listening and even if they did they weren't going to act on it because they just didn't they just couldn't, couldn't fathom be. it
0: no yeah
1: Yeah. and then
0: I, I want to get onto the sentencing and whether or not prison reform is is working in in this area but there's also something to be said about the percentage of people that are abused that then go on to repeat the abuse right that's also part of this for those who don't get treatment don't get therapy they they then go on to reproduce the similar things that happen to themselves
1: Let, let's deal with those two separate then. so in relation to prison um the question is what is prison what's the point of it and, and there's three bases. one is is it for uh, rehabilitation is it for a deterrent to deter other people from committing the same crimes Or is it for a punishment? And I think over time, those things have varied. And it's varied for different offences. If you're convicted for drug offences, prison may be rehabilitation for you, to be frank. If you're convicted for fraud, it may be a deterrent for others for fraud. But for sexual abuse, predominantly, it can only be as a punishment. You know that if you commit child abuse, you will go to prison in all likelihood. So it can't be a deterrent. Rehabilitation, is it possible? It's a perennial issue. Because the fact is, it's so difficult, and if you mess it up, a child gets abused. It's not like you know, you're falling off the bandwagon. You know, you, you've Alcoholics um,
0: Anonymous kind of, yeah. You've had another yeah, drink. We start again tomorrow.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's it's not that, and the repercussions are so severe. So it, it's a really difficult one. So it, it should be a punishment, and it should punish someone for committing these offences. Now, is it a continued punishment? Well, we know that. Um, it will will never compensate those individuals. You know, you can't impact the hands of time. you suffering pain for what you did to me. It isn't eye for an eye. It, it's nothing like that. Because actually you're going to prison when you're in your 50s, 60s. Because of course, you suffered abuse when you were 10. Didn't disclose for 30 years. If I'm 40, you must be 60, 70, 80. So your life, you've had a really good life. Well done to you. you had your entire life. Now you've got to go to prison. But not for a full sentence. You get sentenced to 10 years you'd be out in 5 all likelihood because you haven't committed any other offences during your time in prison. It isn't sufficient. It isn't proper punishment. And we do need to look at that severely. Your second point about do abuse survivors then go on to abuse? That is largely a myth. It it has been so many things done on this. Actually, those people who suffer abuse often fear that they may be abusers or people perceive them to be abusers. Lots of my clients um, have never bathed their children find it difficult to show emotion, difficult to go to changing rooms with them because they are worried about people perceiving it. They're extremely overcautious around them and very protective of them. Some of my clients have chosen to have vasectomies in their 20s because they can't ever face the people judging them or accusing them of potentially abusing their children because they have this fear. But it is a myth to a large extent. That doesn't mean that some abuse survivors do then go on to abuse, but the again, the studies show that the proportion of those compared to the general population is less, actually, than the general population, because often they're more cautious uh, and they are concerned. Uh, And um, it is largely a myth. It's one of these things which is a myth, to be frank, to a very large extent.
0: Yeah, interesting. That's also very sad to hear that you know, mm. They would forego that. I'm I'm a young father myself, and it's it's a wonderful okay. process. And yeah, I yeah it, to it's, it's to think it's that. Triggering that,
1: though, sonny, it's triggering though. Because the yeah, thing is, no, let's say you, you have a son, and you were abused in a boarding school. Do you send your child to a boarding school because everyone thinks you should be? Because you went to a boarding school, you have the money to, and in according to your class you system, you should. But you said no. Why? How do you justify that? Or your children usually. Look like you, either you or your partner. Obviously, so you have a son who looks like you. They become ten. You suffer abuse when you're ten. It triggers there, it issues there. You can't have overnight stays. You cannot take part in football. You cannot go to the changing room. You, you know, it's so constrictive, and you can't tell your child if you don't want them to think less of you as a man. It can be really triggering, actually, to be frank, especially with same-sex children. So if you're a male and you have a male child. And they look like you, especially you can see yourself because obviously they look like you. It, it is so hard. Um, and yeah, you, you do eventually cut off certain parts of their lives to protect them, but actually, what you're doing is causing harm to them. You can't keep them in a bubble, they've got to go out into normal society, but they can't. You just can't, can't, you can't fathom, fath- you. yeah, yeah, you, uh, can't. you can't take the risk.
0: Coming back to the prison side of it, then, yeah, so. Reform for these kinds of things, what's the recidivism rate?
1: Yeah, it's 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 really hard, to be frank. And there's been different forms of rehabilitation in different countries all over the globe, to be frank. Some successful, some not. The rates aren't particularly good. Um, and what often it means that we will give you rehabilitation, but when you come out into society you cannot be within a certain amount of children. You cannot be by schools. You cannot work around children. You have to disclose everything. Um, so it's it's so hard because it's not a proper life, to be frank. So there's no proper rates on it with total respect. Um, it, it just doesn't work. It's a bit like if you're an alcoholic and you say, right, you're going to be in a an island. There is no pub. There's no alcohol. Oh, great. You're no longer an alcoholic. That's amazing. What they will do is they find other methods. So if they committed physical acts, often the first acts, if they do commit again, is um, inappropriate images um, and videos and the like, because that's the way they do get access sometimes. It, it is such a difficult thing to do. And often it comes down to trust. People don't trust you. People want to know where you live is a real impact. And again, you know, I have limited sympathy, and, and that's true for child abusers. But at the same time, what do we do with them? to be totally frank uh, you can't imprison them for life um because of capacity I, why not well uh, i knew you were going to say it and i have said it i was like i did to yeah, say that yeah. well, why, why not why, it's why, a simple question i know listeners yeah, are going to no, think that straight away why, yeah. why
0: why can't we if they if the yeah, impact that they've had on someone
1: no i know i know all their i, know. Life,
0: I know. and I, yeah i'm not an absolutist in virtually every other aspect of my life but with this one i'm like Do you they know should what? be yeah i don't i don't mind the the yeah. Definitely,
1: I don't mind. Um, so I disagree with I don't mind. And castration uh, doesn't I... work, by the way. There no? were studies done in Sweden, yeah, it, and um, it didn't work. They still went on to sexual abuse. Because you'd think it's a, it's it a
0: dull the urges and
1: yeah, which I was really surprised. So I'm not, you know, I've never campaigned or no, advocated no. for it. But at the same time, someone did the study and it didn't work. You're like, well, how? Because it's not. This is the thing. Sexual abuse isn't about physical. It, it it's mental. It is a, a need. And this is the thing which we have. So, should they face lifetimes in prison, different offences, different times? The reason why there's a tariff system, to be totally frank, is because of capacity. If we imprisoned every single person committed a crime, I'm not saying the entire country would be in prison, but they, they would do this again. It's a numbers thing, which is really sad. And again, I'm not a politician, so it's a really rubbish answer to be made, to be frank. And the fact is, we should have. Punishments, which are you know, are proportionate to the, the crimes committed, and yep. you mentioned it. You know, for nearly all my clients, the fact is, as soon first time you've been touched by an abuser, your life changes. Yep. That's it, and it distorts lots of your memories. You know. Your memory of beaches or football clubs or ice cream often can be tainted. So my clients have triggers for songs and foods and smells, which be within the rest of their lives. You know, one of them has triggers for potatoes. Another one has an mm-hmm. aftershave, some with the sea and water. They, they can't be by a swim bath. They can't go in the bath. They can't go to the beach. Bit of an issue We've Got a child because, you know, they like That's swimming. to do, yeah. Baths. yeah. So you just don't do it. You leave it to your partner. do So it, because it's triggering, it reminds you of the abuse. You've been abused by a swimming teacher. So the fact is that the criminal justice system, I'm not saying it's a token gesture. I'm not saying that at all, but it can never, to be totally frank, punish someone to the same. It's not an eye for an eye. It's just not. It's a punishment of sorts um and you know again a 24 32 year prison sentence obviously is a serious prison sentence It's a huge chunk of your life which has been taken away from you. you've lost that independence but um it's not the same as suffering sexual abuse uh, and lots of my clients would say i much prefer to go to prison for 16 years and to suffer what i've suffered and continue to suffer until i die um i'm not a full human being i haven't reached my potential i'm not a full father full husband i'm not because of what he did to me compared that to someone going to prison for 16 20 years when they're 60 or 70 they would say i would swap out in a heartbeat i had a full life as a full human being i could see my potential Uh, i haven't been hindered or handicapped by these issues and by the abuse they would definitely swap with that person and go to prison um they, they would to be frank so it's uh, an issue which was all, needs further debate, to be frank. I don't believe in the death penalty for numerous reasons. Um, the prison sentencing often isn't. We had a case recently the case of um, Paul Dodd, a schoolteacher abused at Whitgift School, uh, abused three boys, um, received a suspended sentence for sexually abusing them. We challenged that. He received a four year prison sentence instead. And since then, a number of people have come forward for abuse at that school and and other schools he taught at. But again, the question is, is four years sufficient? I I definitely knew suspend suspended sentence wasn't. And also, I can only apply what the law is. You know, we should get increased sentencing for these offences. The politicians will say, we haven't got the capacity. It costs too much to imprison them. But the concern is we can't rehabilitate them. So what do you do? You just throw out in society and hope for the best. You know, it's a, it's a genuine concern. What do you do with child abusers for the rest of their lives?
0: There's um, a case recently of, uh, I believe it was in the UK. I was speaking to someone about this earlier when I mentioned, I was going to be talking to you of a woman who shot her child's abuser. I think yeah. she killed the child's abuser. And, she was given, I want to say, two years or, or something like that. And um, a bunch of, I could be getting this wrong, because like I said, I haven't looked into this yet. It was a conversation I had this morning. Um, yeah. Child abusers came together and said, listen, if you guys don't increase the sentence, what we're going to get is vigilante justice on the street. And that's also something that you don't want. Yeah. Um, and then her sentence was increased as a result of, of the letter. Am I getting this right? Or are some of my facts a bit...
1: I'm not really sure about all of it. The thing is with the law is often it is black and white. And something like you just explained, you know, you've done a a bad act, killed someone for um, a reason. The fact is, when you look at the law, you know, mitigating circumstance, such as, you know, that's the reason why I did it for. um, The law can be very harsh often, actually, and sometimes on the wrong people. Um, you know, circumstantial if you, if you're homeless and you steal food, you're mitigating circumstances. I'm not doing it to get any financial gain. I just I need food, you know. But you've still committed an offence. You've got to be punished for it. I dealt with it at the very start of my career. There was a homeless man who nicked a number of pairs of socks from Marks and Spencers. It cost him like thirty quid for four sets of socks. You know, expensive socks, but he needed them for his feet. He wasn't doing it, you know, because any he has no money. He was destitute. Um. And they did a financial payment order against him. He had to pay back two quid a week for something stupid, like, you know, ages. He had no money. How was he going to pay back two quid a week? I'll never know. But that's what the law was. And then he he didn't pay back two quid a week. And then they punished him further. He hadn't paid it back. He preached the court. And he's just like, sometimes we just create problems for ourselves, you know. And I think roundabouts. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I think similar for that, you know, what she did, you should never murder anyone. I don't believe in that. But the reason why she did is she didn't feel that the criminal justice system would protect her children and she didn't feel that the abuser was being punished sufficiently so she took the law into her own hands but dealing with the first two points can we protect abuse survivors, can we protect society from abusers, can we punish abusers appropriately a question is probably for another session with you to be frank because it's such a big issue ah, to look into great. that um, but yeah it's not it's just not good enough, uh, to be frank, at the moment.
0: I have um, a final question, something that I'm not too well read into, but again, um, the chat that I had on last, Craig mentioned this as well. Um, it goes on to what you said of the act of child abuse not being a sexual one; it's a it's it's a mental one. There's something up there that's that's happened. One of the things that Craig mentioned in the work that they do in their charity is when they've interviewed abusers after the fact they found a lot of them got there from pornography that progressively got more abusive and um different let's say uh as it went and then they slowly but surely ended up where they ended up on the child abuse end of the spectrum is there something in that is there that that you've come across with the the victims that you've worked with and their perpetrators.
1: Yeah, it's a hard one because there is no real link to um, sexuality or pornography or the like. Just because there's, there's different abuses, abuses in different eras. So, pornography in the 1960s is very different to the 2000s and the 2020s. Abuse is still happening throughout the entire period. The accessibility of pornography as well is very different. You know, buying it from a magazine in 1960. A video in 2000, uh, uh, digital, you know, the internet, 2020, for example, it's very different. Um, and sometimes there's time, you know, we have a case at the moment where uh, a father has abused not his daughter, but his granddaughter. So he never abused his daughter. So so, so, just, you know, it, and that's been I mean, sometimes when you're looking and you're representing survivors, you try to get some logic from it. So man murdered wife. Because they were having a fight and it escalated significantly. Totally wrong, but logically, you can see how that escalation could take place. You can follow yeah. the steps. Follow steps, but but if you're if you're attracted to children, if you're sexually attracted to children, surely you would always be sexually attracted to children. It, you know, it, it isn't. You just go well. Actually, now I feel confident doing this. So so that doesn't make sense. And and I think the kind of escalation of it. Um. It is strange. It's been most abusers, to be frank, are from the 30s onwards, and then it's a continuation until they are caught or stopped, to be frank. Um, apart from that case, and there's a couple other cases whereby they didn't abuse anyone at all, as far as we're aware, until they're in their mid-50s, early 60s, and they decided, now I want to sexually abuse a child. Um, it's a concern. I think that exposure to harmful material is obviously harmful in the title, but... Lots of people watch pornography and are not child abusers. Oh. Again, the proportion is is that same as this thing in America. You know, computer games result in people shooting people. Lots of people watch them. Um, they don't go on and murder people. And I think often it's an excuse. Um, I don't think it's the reason. And I think that same as when people say I suffered abuse and therefore I abuse, you're looking for an excuse. You made that conscious decision. You know how bad that was for you. Surely you want your children to have a better life and you don't want to abuse other children. Surely you want that. We all want that as parents. And I think that the key thing for abusers is, is to understand a lot more. And the one thing which I'm very keen to do is not to label them as monsters at all. Because the fact is monsters operate in the dark and in the beds and in shadows. Monsters, when we're talking about child abusers, child abusers are me and you and the normal people. Um, that's the real fear. It's not the weirdos wearing an anorak in the park with sweets. It's not. It's that lovely uh, football coach. It's your mate. It's your father. It's normal, lovely people who do really horrendous things. The question is how were they able to do it? Why do they do it? And then what do we do with them when we get them, you know, the punishment? That kind of journey is something which has never been addressed, to be frank, fully. Or satisfactory for survivors or society. Um, and in 2023, we're still facing the same issues as we have done since the day of dawn. It's not working. And one thing which we do encourage people to do, and we're doing much better at, it, is exposing abuse and encouraging survivors to talk. And I think that's really important. But like I said at the very outset, we're really good at that now. Media coverage is much better in exposing abuse. That's just the start. The how and the why we need to address, similar as we do for serial murderers. You know, why are you a serial murderer? How did you get there? How do we stop it? What was going on? We need to do a lot more of that with child abusers to try to prevent it, but not just them, but also everyone else in society, family, friends, work colleagues, how did you also not know this? Fair enough, an innocent child who doesn't know, you know, uh, the world is round, for example, at the age of eight. How do you not know this as an adult? How did you not pick up on it? What stopped you from acting and, and realizing this This man was an abuser? We need to work on that so much more to stop child abuse in this country and across the world, to be frank.
0: Oh, absolutely. Well, you uh, know, I know we're pressed for time and you have uh, other meetings to get to as well. I really, really appreciate uh, you being able to spend some time with us and have a chat on on this topic. It's It's been a difficult conversation, Um I have uh, a lot of respect for the work that you do and being able to uh, continue on uh, with your fight. So thank you. Um, I suppose last bit, how can people find out more about what it is that you're doing and, and the things that you're working on?
1: Yeah, so um, I'm on Twitter, which I think is now called X as, as far as I'm <laughs> aware. See what it is next week, I suppose. But no, I'm on Twitter. I'm on LinkedIn. got a Facebook profile um i'm always open for people to discuss things um i do talks for free for charities and lawyers and and other people um there's lots of campaigns but i do try to publicize stuff so you know do lots of articles lots of campaigns we do publicize it on social media and again if anyone's got any questions i'm sure you're you know able to pass on my details um email direct dial um social media contacts but yeah it's good to talk and i really appreciate you Yeah. speaking to me and listening to me as well. It's really appreciated. Thank you.